and welcome to Conscious Business with the Corporate Yogi. I'm your host, Julie Zuzak. This podcast helps entrepreneurs develop the mindset needed to build and grow a conscious business. Whether you know it yet or not, your mindset is the subconscious blueprint that determines your success. Each episode, we explore the different ways that your business calls you forth to grow on a personal level and through your relationships. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? Last week, I introduced you to Entrepreneurial DNA, a fantastic book that I read last year by Joe Abraham. Now, if you missed that episode, number 90, you'll want to pause this episode and go back and listen to that to give you the full context, get you up to speed, and then you can come back and join us in this episode. There, we discussed what entrepreneurial DNA is and why it's so important for you to optimize who you are and how you work. I also asked you to go to bossydna.com, take the online assessment to figure out exactly what your entrepreneurial DNA is. It's free and it only takes about five minutes. So did you take it? Did you do the assessment? What did you figure out? Did you determine your primary DNA? I mean, we already knew that you were fascinating, right? But I bet you that there's something that you learned about yourself that you didn't know before. You see, we all have a combination of all four different types of DNA in us, but we only ever have one of the primary DNA active at any given time. So what I really want to do in this episode is to deep dive into each of the four different DNAs so that you can better understand who you are. And as I read through them, I really want you to pay attention and listen to figure out which one stands out as your primary DNA. And I also want you to see if you can start to identify someone in your network who occupies the other three DNAs because this is going to really help you to better interact with them. And you never know where there just could be a great opportunity for you to collaborate with them or just to lean in and ask them for advice. So as I go through each different segment, I'm going to talk about a different type of DNA and I want to be really honest about the information that I share. I'm going to share the strengths, the indicators, the common behaviors, as well as some of the challenges, right? Because we want to keep it real at all times. And this is really important. I want to point out that as I go through each one of these different DNAs, you might hear things about yourself that aren't so flattering. And this is okay. We all have strengths and weaknesses in our personalities, right? All I want to ask is that you keep an open mind and you be really honest with yourself about what is and what isn't true about you. Sometimes when we hear unflattering things about ourselves, we can get really defensive and shut down. But I want you to keep a growth mindset and really be honest about what does and doesn't apply to you, okay? Because this is where the growth happens, right? In this place that gets to be kind of uncomfortable, kind of awkward, kind of unfamiliar. So let's dive right into the four different entrepreneurial DNAs, builder, opportunist, specialist, and innovator. Okay, so I'm taking these four different entrepreneurial DNA types from Joe Abraham's book, Entrepreneurial DNA, and I want to point out that all I'm doing is really just 
skimming the surface. I'm just pulling out a few of the salient points about each of the four because we have such limited time. But if you want to really deep dive into understanding the DNAs more or to look at some of the strategies. So for each of them, I'm going to point out one really good strategy or tip that you can use. He actually goes through and gives a very comprehensive list, about seven or so for each of the different DNAs, which are all fantastic tips. So I'm just giving you a little bit of a teaser, a little bit of a taster to see if this is something interesting to you, something valuable to you. And then if you really want to do a deeper dive, I'm going to let you go ahead and do that on your own. Okay. So here's where we're going to start with the top left quadrant, builder. Now I'm going to introduce you to the builder. Now builders thrive on, guess what? Building new things, solving complex problems. They're very driven. They're focused and they love to build a business from the ground up, from absolute scratch. They thrive on breakthrough ideas and strategies. They can sometimes be described as the Jekyll Hyde. One minute they're the fun-loving leader who everyone wants to be around, and then the next minute they're tearing people apart with their words and their body language. So very, very extreme personalities. Builders often have a very addictive personality, especially when it comes to their work. And if left unchecked, then their business can become the overriding factor or focus of their life and really control who they are. They're most at risk of becoming rich, but miserable. You know that cliche of someone who has tons of money, but they're just not happy in life? This is typically the builder because they have the ability to really build a very successful business. But once they get to that quote unquote place, that place where they feel like they've arrived, sometimes they can find themselves in a place where they're isolated and they have no one around them to share it with. So let's start with the strengths of a builder. First, there's three of them that are going to identify. So first, they can build very highly scalable businesses. And so I'm talking about businesses that can make lots of money in a very short period of time, businesses that have passive income revenue streams, basically businesses that can be very large very quickly. Second, they're efficient because they have the vision and the ability to really build systems and processes that will really make the business efficient. And third, they are very charismatic leaders. And so investors, employees, and customers are typically very drawn to their vision for the business and also to their brand. You might know someone like this, someone maybe that you've worked for in the past, or maybe someone that you're working with now. They just seem to always magically have people drawn right to them. And they're very, very charming and everyone wants to be around them. So let's talk about weaknesses. So here's three weaknesses that a builder ideally faces. First, it can be a challenge for the builder to maintain a good work-life balance. They tend to be very passionate and consumed by what they do and it can take top priority in their life at the expense of other things. Second, unless they're very conscious and attentive, they can often erode their relationships, either business or personal, because they're very, very narrowly focused on work. And third, it's often hard for builders to ask for help. And they can sometimes be really stubborn and not want to back down from a disagreement. 
So here's a few things interesting facts that you might want to know about a builder. They often enjoy being around other high output people and other big picture thinkers. Builders like to create systems and processes and set things up to be able to scale, you know, because they have the big picture vision. They get really frustrated doing monotonous, repetitive admin work that is unscalable. And builders are the best when problems need to be solved. Ideally, the more complex, the better. And builders have a hard time conforming to existing rules and systems. So a pre-built business like a networking marketing opportunity or a franchise isn't really ideal for a builder. They don't want a plug and play business. They want to build something from scratch. Now here are three common statements that you might hear a builder say. First one, building something out of nothing is what I meant to do. Second, I'd much rather start a company from scratch and control 100% of the brand message than buy into an existing business system. And third, it's really hard to balance my work and family life. All right, so lastly, I want to leave you with a tip or a strategy for builders. In the book, Joe actually outlines seven amazing strategies for builders. And, you know, as I said before, I don't have time to go through them all, but I did pick out one that I really thought was beneficial and I wanted to share that with you. So since there's this subtle tendency, you know, I mentioned it a couple times to really control and manipulate others, strained relationships are often a byproduct of the builder. So here's a strategy to focus on, optimizing your relationships. So make sure that you work on nurturing and nourishing relationships with others, work and personal. And this includes, you know, employees, associates, and even family. All right. So that's the tip for builders. Optimize your relationships. Don't just focus on the work. Don't just focus on output. Make sure you invest time into relationships. All right. So that is the overview of the builder. Okay. In this segment, it is my pleasure to introduce you to the opportunist, the opportunist. Now, maybe it's just me, but of the four different DNAs, this one just screamed off the page at me. It was so obvious and I guess I just know so many people that fall under this category that it was really really easy to pick up and to understand. Now an opportunist becomes a caged panther when they're forced inside a box or made to sit in a cubicle. They would much rather be sitting on a tropical beach sipping a Mai Tai than checking portfolio values on their smartphone. They are natural born promoter and selling is what opportunists do best. They thrive in situations where there's a massive carrot on a stick and in a relatively short time frame, they are able to achieve big success. They're excited by the thrill of never having to work again because They did work hard for a short period of time, they made tons of money, and now they're just living off the passive income. So in reading about this personality type, there was one really big red flag that I noticed in the book. So I'm going to read you this passage directly from the book. If you have high opportunist DNA, I would strongly advise you against starting up your own company from scratch. 
The time, the stress, and the energy required to start up a venture will drive you absolutely insane. Interesting, huh? So opportunists are best when they are leveraging the systems that are built by a builder, which is really interesting. So let's start with the strengths of an opportunist. So there's three of them I'm going to name. First, they have a very high work ethic and they are not intimidated by working 18 hour days. Second, they are eternal optimists, which allows them to easily shake off any failed business opportunities or ventures that didn't work out. Third, they're highly coachable, which, you know, I always love to hear. (laughs) And they will jump at the chance to listen, to learn from other high achievers in their industry who have gone before them. Now, here are three weaknesses of an opportunist. The first weakness that I want to name, and likely the biggest, is that it's very hard for them to say no to opportunities. And the disadvantage of this is that it can really cost them a lot of time and money, especially when they take on too many different things and they don't follow them through. Second, they don't like doing due diligence on an opportunity, which means that they don't like to do the analytical part of it, of looking over whether something's a good opportunity or not. It feels slow to them and it's close-minded and that's a buzzkill. And so if they don't do the proper research into an opportunity, then they might miss some really obvious red flags. And then the third weakness is that they often juggle too many different opportunities at once rather than just focus on one at a time and give it their full attention. Because you might have a really great business idea, but if you have finite resources, meaning a finite amount of money and a finite amount of time in your day, and you spread them too thin, then even the greatest business idea will not succeed. So things that you really wanna know, important things about opportunists. Well, they are great salespeople and promoters. They are leapers and eternal optimists. They view too much analysis or research as a buzzkill. They love saying yes to new opportunities. And they're very willing to work hard to achieve a really big payout. And then they're perfectly happy to retire early and not work anymore. Just manage their money. Now, here are three common statements that you might hear an opportunist say. First, if the right people would just invest in this business venture with me, it would be a huge success. Second, Despite the occasional failure along the way, I know I'm gonna hit it big with this venture. And here's the third statement that you might hear from an opportunist. I laugh at the face of risk. The riskier, the higher the payout potential. So bring it on. All right, so here's a tip that I picked out for opportunists. As we've seen, opportunists love saying yes. They love new ideas. They love taking on new opportunities, big opportunities to strike it rich, especially. So a great strategy for an opportunist is to pick one, O-N-E, one business venture and make the commitment to see that through for the next year or two years. In other words, focus, focus, and then focus more. Go one inch wide and one mile deep. 
Now, this might be really hard for a purebred opportunist, but it's very, very necessary. So I would never suggest saying pick one thing and focus on that one business forever because that might frustrate them. I don't think you could say forever to an opportunist that would just (laughs) destroy them unless it was maybe in reference to retiring. You could retire forever and hang out on the beach. But if you ask them to just focus on one business venture forever, that would probably frustrate them. So pick a dedicated period of time, 24 months, 36 months, whatever that happens to be, and focus just on that one thing. Put all of your time, effort, and energy into that. And then any new ideas, you know, those just go in the parking lot for later. All right. So that is my tip for opportunists is to focus and pick one thing. All right, because of all the four different DNAs, opportunists are most likely prone to shiny object-itis, right? Because they love that newness. They are addicted to the edge. They love trying something new. Okay, so that is the overview of the opportunist. Do you know any opportunists? Are you an opportunist maybe? Okay, now I'd like to introduce you to the specialist. Now, according to this book, this is the most popular entrepreneurial DNA by a long shot. Over 55-0% of entrepreneurs are specialists. Now, they are the experts and they know their topic inside and out. And this makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because often when we are running a business, we need to really feel confident, which means we need to feel like we know what we're doing to be able to be good at it. Uh, Now, specialists are fantastic at building community. They have a really strong reputation and it's easy for them to generate referrals. However, they do not love the art of selling. They often think of selling as, you know, that used car salesperson mentality. And so it's something that they avoid. Specialists are often in an industry where their competitors are offering a similar product or service as they are. So it tends to be a crowded marketplace that they are operating in. So let's start off with the strengths. So I wanna share three strengths of a specialist. First, they are experts and they are highly skilled in their area. This gives them a really unique advantage over the other DNAs. Number two, they are risk averse, so they very rarely make bad business decisions. And three, well, because they're great community builders and they recognize the importance of personal relationships, they often put a lot of emphasis on building healthy relationships with their clients and with employees. Now, let's go into the weaknesses. I'm gonna share three weaknesses that a specialist will face. First. They are guilty of underselling and undervaluing themselves. They are challenged by marketing and business development and growing their business can often be hard. And lastly, they're not always big picture thinkers. So they can struggle to make the leap from, you know, an hourly based business to a pay for value or pay for impact type of model for their business. So here's some things that you need to know about the specialist. Some other personality types get bored or distracted doing the same thing. 
However, specialists thrive it. They love structure and they love repetitive tasks. They're also best when they perform the primary service that generates income for the business. So an example would be an accountant, maybe a developer, uh, food services, auto repair, healthcare, financial management. So definitely a service provider. And lastly, they are the experts at building and maintaining community. And they receive a lot of business from referrals. So are you getting to know the specialist? Here's three statements that you might hear a specialist say. First off, I started my business so I could be my own boss and earn a bigger income than a job could pay me. Number two, I am quite analytical when it comes to making decisions. I like to think things through thoroughly. And number three, I'd rather be the slow and steady tortoise than the fast-moving, risk-taking hare. Now, here's a tip for the specialist. Now, the tip I wanted to share is to optimize your business development. If business development or finding new clients is something that you do because you have to, not because you love to, then you might want to consider outsourcing that to someone else who does love to do it. And don't worry about the cost associated with this. Remember, it's going to increase the amount of money that you're bringing into the business because you can structure something that could be contingent on new business coming in. So that is your business tip. Optimize your business development. Don't force yourself to do something that you don't love to do or that you're not good at because you're going to struggle at it and it's just not going to get done. Okay, so that is the overview of the specialist. What about you? Are you a specialist? Did that sound familiar as I I was reading through it? Or maybe you know someone who is a specialist. All right, here's the last, but certainly not the least. We're going to dive into the innovator. The single word that sums up the innovator is breakthrough. They are the mad scientists of our world. They often refer to themselves as the accidental entrepreneur, and they'll start out with an idea that just turns into a product or a service. Innovators tend to work in bursts. When inspiration comes and all is well emotionally, massive breakthroughs take place. For innovators, They can't see how someone's personal life isn't totally and completely connected to how he or she acts in business. They don't like to do things that they're not proficient at. So let's start with the strengths. I have three strengths of an innovator. First off, they are natural at creating new products and they often have an endless supply of new ideas that could lead to new products or services. Secondly, They care. They care about the quality over profit, which creates really fanatical, loyal customers who will do anything for them or for their brand. And third, because of their expertise, they have a lot of credibility in the marketplace. And so investors and employees and customers are very drawn to them for this reason. Now, let's talk weaknesses. There's three weaknesses I wanted to share with you. First off, they struggle with business development. And sometimes even 
though they have a great product, they don't have the ability to get the product to reach out to the right people. Second, they don't have a BS detector. And so in some instances, they can be convinced to give up control of their product or maybe of their company. And essentially, they get taken for granted. And third, they tend to carry other people's burdens, which can be a source of a lot of stress and emotional fatigue for them. Here's some things I want you to know about an innovator. It's very hard for them to see how someone's personal life isn't totally connected to who they are in business. In most instances, they have no intention whatsoever of becoming an entrepreneur. That's just something that fell into place for them. They're often more comfortable doing the research and development instead of the operations or the strategy of a business. They often have a very big why or a big P purpose. And so running a business for them is bigger than profit. Innovators are best when they are driving a breakthrough idea and they have the freedom and the resources to develop that concept into a prototype. And their Achilles heel, well, that's the strategy, the marketing, the management, the supply chain, the back office, the sales, the negotiating, all those things they really need someone else to help them with. So here are three common statements that you might hear from an innovator. First off, you know, I didn't really have a grand plan to start a business. I was just doing something I loved and a business grew up around me. Second, profit isn't as important to me as quality. I'd give up my product or service away for free if I could. And third, I am a trusting person. I tend to give people too much control of my business decisions. Now, a tip for innovators. The tip I wanted to give is to optimize your business model. Now, as you look at your strategic plan, you will find certain areas of your business that you want to manage and other areas that you don't really want to manage. And so when you decide what it is that you do want to do, and you look at the other things you don't want to do, consider outsourcing those tasks. The reason we suggest this, or they've outlined this in the book, is because when you have too many people around you that you're responsible for, there's going to be a lot of administration and a lot of management headaches, which are things that you don't want to have to deal with. So to serve yourself well, to protect yourself from having to do the things that you don't want to do start to outsource tasks to external people. All right. So that is the overview of the innovator. What about you? Do you know any innovators or did this sound really familiar? Maybe you are an innovator. And it's time to start wrapping up this second of a two-part series on entrepreneurial DNA. Before I wrap up, I want to let you know that I'm going to be making a big announcement next week about something new that I'm doing in the fall. And it's going to be a big challenge and a massive growth opportunity for a few of you. And it's not going to be something that just challenges you a little bit to push out of your comfort zone. It is going to catapult you way outside of your comfort zone 
in a very big way. So stay tuned next week for more details about that. And I hope that you learned a lot about yourself during this two-part series and not only about you, but how you run your business and that you've had the chance to spend some time thinking about what you do and how this could complement the work that you do. If you have any feedback about these two episodes or questions about your DNA, I would love to hear from you. Or if you took the online assessment at bossydna.com, which is B-O-S-I-D-N-A.com, I would love to know what your specific entrepreneurial DNA is. You can reach out to me on social media or if you want to book a chat with me, you can always book that online on my website at thecorporateyogi.com. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Remember that being an entrepreneur is the most intense form of personal development that you will ever go through. So be patient and be kind to yourself. Deep down inside, you know how powerful you are. Now it's time to step up and let the rest of us see it. Mm -hmm.